This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Shirts and Ties is thrilled to partner with Peer Driven PD and Mike Alpert. And we just want to acknowledge the work that he's doing and also offer to you, the listeners, that if you sign into peerdrivenpd.com, uh, you get 10% off this purchase and every purchase for the next year. Peer Driven PD truly is the future of professional development for teachers. Peer Driven PD is great because people have a lot of say in what courses they take, and there's something for everybody. There's project based learning. There's building student agency with meaningful projects, classroom management at the secondary level, unconventional math, getting students unstuck, courses for everybody at any stage in their career. Peer Driven PD finds some of the best teachers in the country, films them talking about their tips and techniques that really do work in real classrooms right now. They're not somebody on the hill talking about their experiences in the past. They are Legitimate teachers right now talking about their real-time solutions to real-time problems. Thanks to Mike Alpert and Peer Driven PD for partnering with Shirts and Ties. Check them out, peerdrivenpd.com. It really is the future of professional development for teachers and educators around the country and the world. All right, let's get back to this episode. Shirts and Ties, stop. That's <laughs> why you have a stroke. I, can't get I was called 911. I'm like, oh, shit, he's having a stroke. All right. right here, here we go. Welcome to Shirts and Ties, a culture and education podcast. I'm Casey Shirts. And I'm Brian Miller. Brian, 50 episodes, man. Big 50. It's amazing. Yeah, I, it's pretty I, exciting. Yeah, I'm not sure if I thought we'd get to 50. <laughs> Honestly, after that first recording, I thought that was, wow, that was a fun try. Oh, man, it took us a long time to get started. It did. I think we had to yeah, delete we- a couple episodes. I think two, at least once we recorded and then realized we didn't record. Yeah, we had one where I didn't record. That's what it'd be. One where I recording something went wrong with it. Yeah, it was a rough start. We did that. We weren't comfortable with the content after we published it. And we're like, let's just not publish that one back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thoroughly have enjoyed it a lot. And, um, you know, we've been getting some feedback here recently that people appreciate it. And that's obviously very, very encouraging and affirming. and And I will never, you know not want that uh, to be to be here that something that we're saying or doing is is helping some people but i also feel like sometimes i just want to take like press press the brakes a little bit here and let's just kind of reflect a little bit let's kind of celebrate i have uh, obviously i gave you a fun little challenge but what i was inspired by is uh, about a, oh, a couple of weeks ago i was at a principal meeting for my district and a seasoned veteran fantastic principal was sitting next to me she's a good friend of mine And she's always kind of smiling. Her and I, you know, we laugh a lot. We get along really well. And uh, she asked me, how are you doing? And I just kind of had a big smile on my face. And I said, I'm struggling. And her face kind of fell a little bit. She's like, I'm drowning. And I was like, me too. And, you know, and we didn't like get somber or anything. But it just was like, we ended up spending a little bit of time just talking about how it is so hard. And it was an encouragement to kind of <clears throat> hear that we were both struggling, not that, not that we're like applauding that we're struggling, but just sometimes I feel like in education, we've talked about this before. We just feel so alone. We feel like we're not, it's not okay for us to struggle uh, because we're told, you know, have a good attitude. You chose this profession. You know, we get attacked from the outside. You get attacked from the inside. It's a very strange profession. And so I just want to, I just want to check in and just see, man, how you doing? And uh, and talk honestly about how we're doing. Uh, because although I don't think that people would ever describe us as brilliant people, uh, sometimes I do think when I listen to it, it's a it's a polished episode, right? Like you do a fantastic job of editing out some of our mistakes. Uh, I do my very best to put my best foot forward. And so I think at times we can come across as being like having it all together where most of the time it's on the brink of disaster. Wait, we're going to admit this out loud? Uh, other people. I hear this about other people. That's right. Well, a, a couple of things. One, educational leaders are the ultimate middlemen and women because you're just you're never going to have control over everything. You're going to have pressures from the community. You're going to have pressures from a school board. You're going to have 
pressure from the workforce, from the kids, right? So middleman job, middlewoman job. And that can be difficult for sure. And then, you know, sometimes maybe this podcast does come off in the same way that a educational movie made to inspire people comes off where you just see the successes. So I'm looking forward to this. We don't have any successes. Right, I know. (laughs) We've been lying for 50 episodes. So now today we're going to tell the truth. So yeah, I I think, you know, reflecting on the good and bad of it is is probably a fun way to approach 50. So how are you doing? Give me, give me, give me a thing this year that you're like, uh, we have two parts that you are like struggling with just an honesty of like, man, this is, this is, this is hard. I'm, I'm wrestling with this. And then I'm going to ask you, uh, like what's a celebration, but like, if you could choose one thing, that's just kind of weighing you down a little bit, what would that be? I think generally speaking, education continues to be a really difficult profession right now. And in my role, I'm I'm working with the adults and the feel just isn't great. And so as much as I've worked to try to be there for the people in this building, to try to support, to try to help create systems of support, most every day someone comes to me nearly in tears, sometimes in tears, just talking about how difficult this continues to be. And that's really tough to not have immediate answers or solutions to those things. Yeah. And and some of what's going on is some of what we talked about, which is education, generally speaking, is a system that is very difficult to make quick changes, which is probably for the better. We don't want to be making changes all the time. But the tendency to stick with status quo, man, that's strong here. And so even this if we so identify – yeah. The known challenges versus trying to make changes and just, you know, running into the unknown. Like that's a very real thing. And I think there's some hesitancy to try to take any of those risks. And so moving that boulder that is status quo, that's the thing that tires me probably most often. Because when I say those teachers and things come to me and they come to me in tears and it just, I mean, it hurts me because I I care about them a lot. And I, I think this profession is so important and I don't want people to feel that way. And I, you know, behind the scenes, I'm working like crazy to try to move that boulder a status quo. And it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. You said that administrators have the ultimate middle job. And although I appreciate that, and I and I would agree, I think in many ways, every title in this profession has is a middle is a middle job. Like so you you sometimes I feel like you're my Chandler Bing, uh, which like you know, they don't really, really ever know what he does. Nobody knows his job. And I always <laughs> ask you, what's your title? <laughs> uh, very appropriate since uh, sadly, Matthew Perry just passed, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is kind of a friend's reflection episode where we're just compiling all the things we've done, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's what's called official title. It's instructional facilitator. Go I always write it down to say that, time. but I'm like, no, that's not it. So it, here's, no. where I'm th- here's where I'm at. You are also in this radical middle job, right? Because, and, and I work for some facilitators as well instructional facilitators as well and there's this weird spot where you're not really an administrator but you are put in administrative positions where you're asked to lead the staff and guide the staff and support the staff Um, and so you're in many ways you're more isolated than I am because you don't really have an administrative team around you but you're also not really one of the teachers too at least when when you are standing in front of them instructing them they see you as an administrator so now you're no longer a teacher but then when you sit in the administrative meetings, you're not really an administrator. You're one of the teachers, right? Uh, and so you also have the middle status, but also teachers, right? They're caught in the middle, right? Caught in the middle between parents and and what they know is best for their kids, but what the administrator or the Hill is telling them to do, right? And so they're always in this, no matter where you are, you're in like this difficult position. And I don't ever want to over glorify education in terms of like the struggles, but I, I really do think it's a unique position in that you have so many different stakeholders pushing in and feeling the absolute right to have an opinion about your job that you just don't see anywhere else with this with the stakes being so high. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. Everybody's got an opinion because, you know, most everybody's been through the system. Your point about we've we've talked about this, so we're reflecting a little here. One of the things that I worry about happening to teachers is they start to see themselves as martyrs mm-hmm. and and suffering is the only avenue through this. Mm-hmm. And 
I, th- I kind of think that's the state of education right now is that everybody's just suffering their way through this. And I think that's pretty unfortunate. And and that absolutely cannot be the mindset of our educators is that we are martyrs sacrificing ourselves for our community and our society. Do you think that is the case though? So I threw, every now and then I'll throw a post on this principal group that I'm on. And sometimes I'll intentionally throw something out that I don't even fully agree with or that I know is going to be a little bit controversial because I just kind of want to get a pulse of what people are thinking. And so I posted one the other day that was essentially just saying, like, because you sacrifice so much, you sacrifice your family, you sacrifice your vacations, you sacrifice your weekends, you know, because you chose this profession. And I said, thank you. And there's, you know, several hundred people that were commenting on it and loving it and saying, thank you for this, whatever. But then there was equally just as many saying, this is not okay. This is not healthy. This is why education is going to go, you know, why it's suffering is because we allow this. And so a part of me has wondered, is it becoming a, a sort of martyr thing? Because for so many years, we weren't allowed to struggle. Like the like the story, the true story of what it meant to be an educator was was somewhat set aside or somewhat you know quieted. Is that a true statement to make, or is it just because like it's just easier? I think why, sometimes. Why is it becoming such? I feel like it's more predominant now than it has been in years past. I think because or is it truly sorry, I keep interrupting you. Or is it truly more difficult than it ever has? My turn now. Well, if you start, I'll I'll <laughs> come up with another thought. What I think is true is that whatever ails society is probably going to hit hardest with our children and our young families. And so I think schools are going to suffer that more. And as we've seeing these technological changes and the way we engage with each other differently and, you know, throwing COVID, which I hate bringing it up because it's a while ago, but it was a real thing and it had an impact. All of this hit education harder. And so as we're trying to redefine our society and, you know, regain our economic standings as a society, figure out how to communicate and engage with each other, it's hitting hardest in our schools. And so I think that that's part of the reason that 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 challenge that martyrdom that maybe even feeling of being a victim which I hate that. I hope that's not how people are feeling, but I think that's why it's hitting schools hardest. Hmm. And you know, when the economy was, of people is hit, is feeling it the most. Yeah, I mean the, this generation and our young parents and things like that out there who are trying to make their way it's a struggle for them right now. Hmm. And this is a place where we all come together and we all talk about it hmm. and we all want to try to have an impact. And so we feel it. That's good. Not good in that it's happening, but that's sure. <laughs> that's good insight. I appreciate that. That was, that was sometimes you're smarter than you look, Casey. Thank you. <laughs> So give me a celebration though. What's what's something that's going on that you're excited about? You know, this was kind of cool. We were we've been working for a couple of years now to, you know, build a system that's going to help respond to student behavior, you know, a system. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I I think we're seeing some success. We're doing some things that we uh we've been hoping to do and it's taken a little longer than I, you know, thought it would, although I I guess I've always said I have a 3-year plan. But what's kind of neat is we were sitting at our meeting Tuesday morning, this team that's been working on, it's our intervention support team on responding to these behaviors. And there was recently an all admin meeting and and one of our administrators was like, hey, I just, I thought I'd share with you guys that uh, the upper admin asked how things were going and what we were doing about behaviors at Sage Valley. And and so I shared out the work we were doing and, and they liked it a lot. And in fact, they immediately said, well, tell me more about, uh, but they were like, hey, can we take a look at some of the the tools that you're using, things like that? And then uh, just yesterday, I get an email from our district administrator for technology, and he was ask, asking for access to some of the tools we were using, and we're going to be able to tie it to our our record system, and, and actually, it's going to now be used district-wide. So uh, some of the hard work we put in is being now adopted at the district level. And I'm very cool. Yeah, and I, I think that's awesome because, you know, I think we as a team believed in that work. I believed in that work. And while I was never asking for people outside of this building to see it or believe in it, I think good work pays off in the end. And it, yeah. that's not what I, that wasn't the goal, 
But if you work hard and you focus on the process, eventually you'll start to see the rewards. You start winning those championships, right? I got to believe, though, that that system doesn't work without good people. Right. If you don't I think have we'll good have people in place. Yeah. I mean, I, as we reflect on these 50 episodes, we might be able to debate that a little more. <laughs> no, Casey, that's really cool. Uh, and I think a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, obviously, it, it the success comes on the back of the people. Right. So you have Sage Valley, uh, although it's been, I don't know, 10 years or more since I've been there. I know a handful of people still there and it's quality people who work hard, who care about kids, uh, who do try and come up with a quality system that works for their kids and then implement it well. Um, but I also think there's something about it of, of longevity, right? Like I've done a really good job of just hopping around this entire world. Uh, about every two or three years, I get a real strong itch and I go someplace else. Although it's been easy, it's always kind of almost easy to start something, right? It's really hard to to get something long-term. And so you being there for a while and some of the, the key teachers who've been there for a while, your leadership who's who's been committed there for a while, there's there's this momentum that is coming because of longevity that uh, I'm hoping. I actually just was asked the other day, there's a new position opening up in our district and they're like, Brian, are you applying? And I'm like, although I understand because the last three years I've had three different jobs that you would think I'm applying, I'm not going anywhere. I need some longevity as well. So, um, and obviously I just think, uh, hopefully you feel the work that you are doing is being applauded. I know you have some pretty great leaders and teachers, but um, I know you work hard at trying to find systems that work um, and implement them well. So nice job. That's awesome. It's not about me at all. And, and the people around me thank me a lot. So it's cool. Uh, so do you just have like a system where you automatically apply for all openings in your district? Is it kind of, set up? That yeah, way? it's just, a, it's just an, you know, apply all, not a, not a reply all. It's just an, an apply all. And so uh, I really am in some ways. My wife said this last year um, when I applied for this, this middle school position, she's like, I think you're just addicted to like interviews. Yeah. And I do love them. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to not applying for a job this year. This year. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm hoping to be in this school for at least check this out 10 years from now. You can, you can verify 10 years at least. Wow. I can't imagine you in a 10 year plan, but all right. <laughs> what else are you thinking about? Uh, so yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's exciting. Did you have a celebration? Uh, no, I don't celebrate anything. Okay. Fair enough. No. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have a celebration. So it's been, it's been a really difficult year for a lot of reasons, some newness, some changes, and really me learning a lot, this new building, but learning, you know, for the, the past three, five, six, six, seven years that I've been principal in various other schools, this is the first time that I have a team of principals and I'm really in my building. And that that has its own unique challenges that I'm really working to try and figure out. So uh, not only is it like learning the building and learning the teachers in my building, it's learning what it means to lead with other principals around you who are looking uh, for guidance who are who kind of have their own strengths and their own ideas of how things have gone. That One of them has been in the building for quite some time. And so that has been just a real struggle where I feel like in many ways, my weaknesses are constantly being highlighted and that's never fun. But in the last couple of weeks, I feel like my, you know, I can kind of look through my educational career and, and see eureka moments where like, I've like, I finally got it. I, I get it. I get this thing. And not that I feel like I finally got it, but I have moments of understanding of how this needs to work. And one of them was um, in this new role, I really feel that there is a shift from I'm no longer responsible for truly serving the students and getting to know the students and getting in front of the students. My job is actually my principals and my staff. Like I, it's it's a it's a couple of steps up that I'm no longer directly dealing with behaviors because um, I need to be supporting my staff and you need to know my staff. And so we had a good conversation the other day of just kind of rearranging, and it came on the heels of. Uh, an all staff meeting where we just kind of asked consistently, we did see different group discussions trying to define what are some friction points that are causing frustrations that are disrupting your day and that are causing you to be distracted. And there was this running narrative of 
consistency in the office, whether it be like in connecting with teachers or discipline or whatever. And we have RCD this year that we're implementing. And although I really hate and really had dug my heels in on I'm not changing anything mid-year, because it was such a strong narrative, we had to make some changes on how we did stuff and we had to do it quickly. And we did. And I just think there's something really exciting about doing what's right. Uh, even when it's like you have to change your mind and, and kind of do a 180. There's just excitement about that. And and there was some pretty immediate feedback of gratitude and applause, not applause, but like a, a sigh of like, yeah, okay, thank you. And that's just encouraging. I like that. Letting people in your building be heard, I imagine, is uh, is going to long-term also benefit what happens, not just the immediate change, but people in that building know that they belong, know that they're heard. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Um, all right. Ready for round two. I have three nice. sections. Okay. What do you got next? Round two is, man, just give me some reflections. Uh, you know, we've been at 50 episodes here. Um, what are some highlights? Oh, some things that either like have really stuck out to you that you consistently think about or things that you want to redo. I don't know. Just some reflections past 50 episodes. Yeah, I mean, the first and obvious one. So I got to ask you this: Have you listened to our first ten or twelve no. or fifty? Yeah, no, I did when I did initially, and uh, no, I'm terrified. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> folks out there, maybe just start start with this one, and then if you want to work your way backwards, you can. Uh, but honestly, we had some pretty good topics. Um, and and we probably had some pretty good ideas there, but we really just hadn't figured out how to how to do this thing together. Uh, sure. We didn't. I think we didn't always solidify, you know, both the broad concepts, but also some specific actions. So, you know, when I think about, it, I'll, I'll just start. It's not regrets, but a couple of things. It's like, dang, I wish we would have would have done better. You know, that chat GPT episode. Well, I yeah. think it was kind of a turning point for us. Cause it was, it was immediate and it's what people were talking about, but we almost hit it too soon because yeah. like we were, we were talking about before most anybody. And I think we, we probably fell a little short. Although when I, when For I look sure. back at my notes, I didn't re-listen to the episode, but I did take a quick look at my notes and I stand by my three C's comment that I said was going to protect us against AI. You know, in in that episode tells me we probably said a lot of good things in all of our early episodes. We just didn't have it locked down the way we needed to. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think we need to revisit that because it is so ever ever changing and so fast. Um, but to your point, yeah, I don't love to go back and listen to <laughs> previous episodes, but that is actually one of my takeaways of this. Uh, Danny Bauer, we ho- we hosted him um, on on episode forty three and. Uh, so I'm just kind of in my text exchangings with him afterwards, um, he gave an encouragement, which was continue learning out loud. That's how he phrased it. And I really appreciated that sentiment or that statement. And I think that that's one thing that this has done is there are hardly ever moments in your life where you can go back and hear yourself think and hear yourself think out loud. And it has done a lot for me. Um, Number one is I don't come across the way that I think I come across. So hearing my my tone, hearing the way that I say something in my head, it it sounds better or it's more clear. And then when I speak it, obviously that's a whole new um, communication skill. But when I have to go back and listen to it, I'm like, man, that's that's not what I meant to say, or that's not how I meant it to come across. Cause even like I get to hear your reaction to it. Right. And so um, that's been, it's actually been in my mind quite a bit now as I'm communicating with teachers and communicating with parents, I'm very aware of how I can come across and how I can be perceived. And it's also a big reflection to me on my memory and how flawed it is. You know, we've had a couple episodes where on two different for two different reasons one of them being it was our discipline episode where uh i was really upset by how i remembered it going right kind of lost some sleep over it and kind of you and i had to kind of do a little makeup session the next day of like you okay i'm okay are you okay right like and because you do the editing 
more than once you have said to me, I think it's going to sound different than what you remember. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're an a-hole. And then, or the one episode that I was terrified, I forget which one it was, but I was like super terrified that it was going to be terrible. I was like, I didn't bring my A-game. And you kept saying, I think it's going to sound different. And so when I listen to them, it's, it's pretty convicting to me that my recollection of a conversation isn't accurate. Now, I know you edit some stuff out. But you're not editing out the core of what's happening. You're editing out maybe the ums, maybe a, a statement that's said more than once. But the core of the statement and the the tone of the statement is still there. And so, again, it's been really convicting to me as I remember maybe something that was said in a staff meeting or something that was said with a parent. And I begin to fixate on it. I'm like, okay, I know what it's like to re-listen to something. And it's not how I remember it. I need to be a little bit more intentional of thinking, let me just go back and readdress it. Let me go chat with this person. Let me give them the benefit of the doubt because oftentimes my memory is not accurate. You know, eyewitness accounts are notoriously bad. Yeah. And uh, I think that's part of why. You know, I had another episode that that I I wish we could figure out and do better. And it is our very first release, which is what to do when the honeymoon ends. Because, I mean, first of all, it's our first, released episode. So of course it's not going to be amazing. Um, but it remains one of the great challenges of what we're trying to do here. And it was the first challenge we tried to figure out, which is how do we fix October and November when, when people are miserable? And, and so we had our first episode. I, I, I haven't figured out. You didn't learn so much from that lesson that you haven't fixed the right. problem. Maybe I just haven't applied it properly. Right. So I do think it's pretty funny that we, we probably tried to tackle the most difficult topic of education, which is fixing those, uh, you know, October months or those March months. Sure. So I don't think we did that in episode one, (laughs) but I haven't re-listened to it. So maybe we did. I should go back and listen to it again. I'm terrified to do it though. Oh, same. What's another Uh, reflection you got? A couple things. Uh, There were some affirmations that came from, from reflecting on the work that we've been doing. Uh, John Prine, old folk singer. Yeah. My, my parents listened to him quite a bit when I was growing up, but I've come to like him a lot. Uh, he has a song that's called In Spite of Ourselves. And there's tons of funny lyrics in it, most of them not appropriate, but I'll read uh, a little bit and then I'll, I'll make it a connection to an affirmation I have here. It goes In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. One of the reasons that I believe so much in systems is because we have to find a way to succeed in spite of ourselves, because we as humans are flawed in all yeah. the ways. Yeah. And so I, while in the end, I'm going to care about the people and I'm going to support the people, I'd like You're some gonna things. You're going to choose that- systems over them. I get it. <laughs> I think the system has to exist because we are all <laughs> flawed. And we have to protect against that. We have to succeed in spite of ourselves. What I love about that is, uh, yeah, humans are flawed. So humans should create something that can protect us from our flawedness. Because, of course, as flawed people, we're going to create an an accurate and perfect system. That makes sense to me. I don't think we're ever going to reach a uh, consensus on this one. Uh, Here's another. In my next part, I have a a thought for you on part three uh, directly to this. Okay. Do you have one or do you want me to give you another affirmation? Yeah, give me another one. Yeah. So one of the things that I've thought a lot about in this role is that we always have to try to get better. And it's that's always been a tough question to ask people like because it's exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to do better now. I got to do better than that and do better. But these conversations have affirmed that. You know, the the episode where we talked about the call to done and we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, if if this thing we have is worth keeping, then it's also worth maintaining. And that means our work is never done. Yeah. And even when I think about you and I, like if we didn't get better than episode one, yeah. oh, we'd have been done a long time ago. Yeah. But we've gotten better because that's what we have to do in education. Yeah. So on one of my episodes, uh, I did the acronym GREAT, right? Do great things. Uh, and the R has has always been RELATE. In recent weeks, I've changed it to reflect. And because I think it's so important that we reflect on where we've come, because you're absolutely right. 
uh, I can look back at moments in my life and I'm like my body physically shifts because I'm so uncomfortable with how I responded to somebody or something that I said or how I was. But that reflection is actually a tangible reminder to me that at least I'm not still doing it. And so even though I'm so embarrassed to go back to episode one through 10, I'm encouraged that we're, at least I think we are, better than what we were in one through 10. And that is, so we actually have, which we don't often have in education or in life, we have this tangible linear example of growth. Uh, we're not done. And that is a good reminder to me that if you just are consistent, you you show up to the process and you care and you're diligent and you have potentially a system of of how you're going to operate you will grow. There is growth uh, and you will do better. And that's, that's encouraging. I think reflection is important because hopefully uh, it will show growth. By the way, in defense of us, lots of my favorite podcasts, you, their first episodes aren't even out there anymore. Right. Cause that's everybody true. goes through that process. Sure. We have uh, the courage to leave them out there. Yeah, we do. Uh, suck <laughs> it. All other podcasts. Uh, Adam Grant says something like your first batch of pancakes is never your best. And there's, there's something true to that. All right. Uh, ironically, though, one of the episodes that I haven't listened to in a long time, but I still reflect on quite a bit, is the episode 10, uh, Curse of Knowledge versus Gap of Knowledge. I think about that all the time. And I think about it as related to our parents, as related to even like my staff. Like when we are going through, like we had an, uh, an ep- a moment yesterday where um, a decision was made that we're going to shift where, where students can, we have like this grizz den where you can eat lunch. You can move away from the cafeteria and have this grizz den. Well, it's outside. Well, the weather is pretty bad here. It's snowing and cold. And so um, some tables were moved into this kind of commons area. And us as the admin, we're talking about it quite a bit. So we've kind of wrestled with it. We have these plans that kind of renew, redo this area. Well, we made the decision and we implemented it, but we didn't tell anybody like the staff that were doing it yet because we wanted to just try it out let's just see how it works well then people started like asking questions like how's this going to work this that and the other and we just kind of wanted to try it out but we had all of the knowledge in our head we had wrestled with it we had the vision so we had the curse of knowledge but then the gap of knowledge came in and it was this immediate like okay we're causing a friction point if we just would have said hey we're going to do this thing we're going to start it tomorrow it's not a big deal. Like people got over it rather quickly, but it caused a moment of potential disruption and distrust, right? If you just would have acknowledged it and said, Hey, we're going to do this thing. People are aware they might still have questions, but they at least feel like they can prepare for it. And it just, that's those little things creep up all the time that because I live in it and because I think about it and because I've brainstormed it with other uh, leaders in the building, I feel like this is not a big deal. It's a no brainer. But if you know nothing about it, that gap of knowledge can really cause for some rather large friction, or at least the the cycle, the cycle of disruption, which causes for distrust. Yeah, and that's a great point, too, because I don't know where my line is. I, sometimes I think about ChatGPT as maybe being the turning point for us. Uh, but there was some really good stuff in the beginning. And that episode was a really good one too. And it it endures in the work that I'm doing. In fact, I have a meeting this morning where we're going to talk a little bit about the, the gap of knowledge that currently exists in our building and how do we close that? Because if we don't, people fill it in with the worst th- ideas and the yep. worst thoughts. So uh, that's a great point there too. You know, it, it, on that one, one of the other turning points, uh, and this had me thinking about some of the things I liked a lot was when we brought on Mary Jo Fresh yeah. And that was when we were talking about, you know, the big controversy over, you know, how we're going to teach reading in schools. And and just generally speaking, we've had some pretty cool guests and and some of the things that they have said have stuck with me. You know, when we talked, brought on Dan, Danny Bauer and he talked about the importance of storytelling as part of belonging. Yeah. I like that a lot. Jen Ford, she came on and she talked about, uh, you know, some of the struggles we're facing politically in, in schools. And, and she said, sometimes the work is hard because it's hard. Right. Yeah. And that stuck with me for sure. Yeah. The way Mary Jo talked about how we assess students and that the origin of the word assess is to sit beside. And that was a reminder of yeah. how the work needs to be done in school. We should be sitting beside these kids. Yeah. I think that was great. And then just Tom Moore reminding us, uh, despite me being a systems guy, that it really is about the people. And similar to what Mary Jo said, our teachers know these kids and they're going to know what's best for kids. We should give yeah. them a chance to do that. So our guests were, were all pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Jen Ford one, um, that phrase, just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing it wrong, has stuck with me as well. She also mentioned, it just really hit me uh, when she talked about the taxpayers. Right? Like that's that's one of your, uh, your audiences, the taxpayers. I've always thought parents, obviously, but just taxpayers in general. And as an educational uh, leader, I'm, I'm very hyper aware of I'm using taxpayer dollars to go to conferences, to do whatever, and I'm, I'm not going to abuse that. <clears throat> but one thing that came out of that sort of discussion was we've been doing these parent info nights. We've flipped it on its head in that we are not, we, the school, are not providing the information. The parents are providing the information. And so we had one uh, last month. And we're going to host one again this month, which is we just kind of have this open forum and myself and any other admin who want to come, we just kind of sit there and they ask us questions. They bring us information. They bring us topics. They bring us ideas. They bring us struggles. And we do our best to either wrestle through them and provide answers or we just listen. And and that part of that is they are taxpayers paying for the school, paying for my salary, paying for so much. They have every right to kind of come in and ask questions and to have a voice. And it also hopefully can kind of bridge that gap of knowledge in the curse of knowledge, right? Like I exist so much in this school. I know what's going on. Of course, I trust everything that happens. I trust all the decisions that are being made. But if you are just on the outside paying taxes and we're asking for levies and we're asking for this and we're asking for that, they and they don't know they're going to fill it with whatever they, you know, their experiences of the past, the stories that they hear on Fox News or CNN. It's my job for to, to allow them to bring their information and their understanding into our schools and to us to listen and to share as best we can. Yeah. And to do that in a way that is structured and safe, because what we don't want is we don't want them to feel entitled, but we do want sure. them to be heard. And and if they're, if they're not heard, they'll probably press harder on those sure. entitlements. So I think that's pretty cool. Hey, I have one more highlight. Good. Cause I want to get into number three here, but what's, what do you got? Okay. I really enjoy our our sugary sweet episodes, our music episodes, our pop culture episodes, our <laughs> Ted Lasso episode. Like those Do are you so know that's our that's our number one listened episode is our fictional characters. Really? Yeah, it yeah. was Chat GPT for a while, but fictional characters just took over the number one slot. Nice. Nice. That one was a lot of fun. I liked it. Uh so I, I just had to mention those because those are as far as prep goes, those are relatively easy days, but also they're just a lot of fun when we're just talking pop culture. We're due for a soundtrack one here soon. Yeah, I think so. All right. So I'm really excited about this part. <laughs> Section three, I asked you to come up with fake phrases or phrases that don't exist, right? As related to education. There's these guys that I listen to that I really appreciate that they're, they're on TikTok, or whatever. I don't actually listen to their podcast, but they're, they're kind of becoming a little bit popular on this segment that they do, which is sayings that don't exist. And the idea is look around you in the world. And, you know, one of the ones that they say that I really love is hanging from a four foot ledge, which is you may think that you're in danger and it feels like you're in danger, but you're really not. You're only on a four foot ledge. Right. So is this a four foot ledge problem or is this a real like 40 foot ledge problem? Uh, And I love that kind of way of thinking. So I asked you and there's one issue specifically in education that I I asked you to try and find a a saying for. But but educational sayings that don't exist. How many did you come up with? So including the, the specific one you asked me to do. I have four. By the way, I hate you for this. This was uh, this, uh, uh, I, this is not my wheelhouse, being all creative and everything like that. So I'm like, is there a system for writing phrases that don't exist? <laughs> if so, I'd like that. Uh, that's not true. I have read some of your writings, and it was 10 years ago I read your writings. And I remember then thinking, he's a freaking good writer. So you are a creative mind. You're just a systems guy. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. All right. What I do guess? you got? I don't know. All right. So my first one is, if you only top off your coffee with creamer, eventually all you have is a cup of creamer and no coffee. Is that too much? That's a lot. Explain. That's a lot no. going on there. Well, no, there's a lot it. going on there. Well, so here's my origin. Right now, teachers are sick and tired of when there's a problem you know, administrators will be like, well, did you try building a relationship? Now, have yeah. you given them positive feedback? Yeah. And it's like, of course they have. It's ingrained in the work that they do. 
but we can't just keep piling sweet on top of this thing. We also have to have in, in this case, you know, sweet is that constant positivity. Yeah. But the coffee is the accountability part. Like that's the, that was the thing you needed in the first place. That was your caffeine, right? So the coffee has to be there. So we still have to hold kids accountable. We have to still be able to have Mm -hmm. expectations. We can't solve every problem with more creamer. We can't solve every problem with being more positive. I love that. Can I, and I'm going to steal it because it actually directly relates to our theme for this month, which is address the behavior, applaud the potential. And it's what you just said. Uh, Every teacher has a goal for four students this each week. They have to connect with four students and it's tier one, tier two, and tier three students. And each one, you are going to address their behavior. What are they doing that is either radically positive that you want to address, or what is something that they are doing that is disruptive to their or their classroom learning? Address the behavior, but then also immediately applaud their potential. You have to have the creamer with the coffee. Casey, that's a really good analogy. I love it. It's a bit wordy, but it is a bit wordy, but it was my best one. So I'm like, all right, it's a lot of words. We're doing it anyway. All right. This one is, is maybe for you, a systems guy. Are you ready? Yeah. Even God needed a New Testament. Okay. And, I, and what it means is God, who is all-knowing, all-being, all-whatever, created the world with a plan, and even he needed a new plan because it broke down. And so when you have this system and you have this idea and you're like, and people get so frustrated that it's not perfect or it's not being implemented perfectly or it's breaking down. And so we begin to feel like a failure, like, right, if we install this system and it doesn't work by October and people are starting to like question it and we're starting to find the flaws, don't get discouraged. Even God needed a new Testament. Just modify it, make it better, change it. It's okay. I love being action oriented. I love uh, continually trying to get better. So that works for me. All right. So next time someone gets frustrated, you be like, hey, even God needed a New Testament. What are we going to do? That's all right. All right. Here's my next one. You can't find a light switch in the dark without banging your shin on something. Ooh. Ooh, explain it. But I like it. Sometimes when you're when you're seeking the answer, you're going to run into things that are problematic. Eventually, though, and this has been a big part of the work that I've been doing. And I think people have gotten a little frustrated. I've shared with you that because I'm the guy always pushing on the soft spots until yeah. they break, they're like, shirts is breaking everything again. <laughs> it's like, no, the, it was about broken. I was the one who found it and now yeah. we can fix it. But generally speaking, I think that what we need when we seek clarity, which is the light coming on, like we're going to hit some rough spots along the way as we seek that clarity. But as soon as that light's on, it's going to be painful. Oh yeah, for sure. That's really good. Well done. I like that one. All right. Ready for another one? Yeah. Time also puts out fires. Uh, And what I like about this one is uh, as an educational leader or just education in general, um, when there's a fire, we immediately want to put it out with water, with a fire hose or with a extinguisher or whatever. And we immediately attack the problem. Sometimes though, if you just let the fire be, it'll go out by itself and you don't need to respond to everything. What do you, think? you know what? I, yeah. And I want to take it to the next level. It's a controlled burn folks. It's yeah. don't worry about it. This is, this is going to be okay. We're going to get some new growth once this burn goes away. It's a controlled burn. I love the idea of that. Okay, good. Cool. Thank you. What All else right, you got? My next one. It, it gets real weak after this. All <laughs> right. My next one is you, you can't teeter totter alone. <laughs> and every time I say that, I just picture myself <laughs> sad alone as a kid sitting on one side of the teeter totter. Oh, that's there. great. Explain it. I love it. What is it? Give me your thoughts. Yeah. I just think it's really important that people come together and work together and we're going to get a lot more out of this. I mean, you could like walk up the teeter totter and then it falls down to the other side. You find a way to be entertained. Sure. Right. But, and there is some value in solitude from time to time, right? It can be okay, but to get the most out of it, we got to do it together. I love that. That's really good. That's not weak. That's great. All right, this one again, man, I'm like I feel like I geared these just for you. Even idiots buy baseball tickets. <laughs> and all right, man, explain. I tried really hard to make it like a mockery, but here's what it is. It really is like a, a positive. Uh we don't always need to understand 
or people don't always need to understand the intricacies in order to appreciate something. Sometimes they can appreciate it just because it brings people together or it's enjoyable. And so as leaders, as people, as teachers, we don't always need to explain every gosh darn thing for them to fully understand it so they can fully appreciate it. Sometimes it's okay that they just show up and they just want to be a part of it. They just want to be, they just want to be applauding. They want to be in community. They want to have a hot dog. They, they don't really understand the the intricacies of baseball. Idiots buy baseball tickets and they have a ton of fun and they bring a shit ton of purpose. I mean, it's about baseball. So how can I not be happy about that? <laughs> I, we broke our sp- streak i think right we didn't talk about baseball last week so glad to have it back uh yeah that's great are are we ready for your challenge you, you uh, had a challenge, i have one though. more and then i'm okay. ready for the challenge right. one more all right let's hear it. and i i'm really struggling with how to get this one out but this is my first one that ever came to my mind and i'm trying to still refine it but it's something like uh shoveling in july you sweat more but gain less and this idea of just because you go outside and shovel your driveway or shovel the parking lot in July. You're working hard and you're sweating and you can point to a a hard working day. Look at all this sweat on my back. It didn't mean a damn thing, right? Because you're not doing it timely. It's not it's not needed yet. And so just because we're working hard and just because we have sweat on a row, are we doing the intentional, purposeful, timely work? Or are we just feeling better because we work hard? I really like that one. And it's it's come up quite a bit in my conversations with people lately, that concept of of doing the right work versus yeah. just working hard. And in fact, as I work with staff, that is one of my goals is to help them gain the clarity necessary to know what the right work is so that we're not wasting energy on the wrong work. I think so maybe it's be a more question. Efficient. Uh, yeah. So maybe that maybe it's it's a you know a question that we ask ourselves or we ask our staff, are we shoveling in July? Are we snow shoveling in July, right? Like, is this the work that we need to be doing right now? Or are we focusing on the wrong thing? So I like it. Maybe that you have to refine it. Are we shoveling in July? Yeah. No, I think that's kind of a cool idea. All right. Now, the challenge that I gave you was, and then I kind of asked around, I chatted with some different teachers and, and principals, and I was like, hey, I'm, here's my task. I'm, what do you want to do? And one of the 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 scenarios that was brought to me was, when teachers say, parents say, principals say, like this kind of applies everywhere. If I allow this behavior, everyone else is going to follow, right? So a teacher might say, if I allow this kid to sleep in class, everyone else is going to uh, sleep in class. With teachers, if I allow this teacher to get away with this inappropriate or this harsh email, then everyone else is going to be sending harsh emails, right? So I have to address the problem. I don't always think that that's true. So I want to come up with some sort of phrase on how we can combat that. And so I asked you specifically to come up with one. What do you have? (laughs) This was a tough one. So here's what I came up with. It was tough. Yeah. Here's what I came up with. A cat won't follow a lemming off a cliff. Yeah, I went the animal. I struggled really hard. I didn't land there, but I wrestled with the animal kingdom as as an example. So say it again. So a cat won't follow a lemming off a cliff, right? Lemmings are lemmings notorious for lemmings. Yeah, right. Yep. But but that's not what's happening here. You're like, that's a lemming. Everybody else in here is a cat. Like that lemming might go off a cliff. These cats aren't following it. Don't worry about that. I right? like that. That's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, I came up with don't sharpen pencils when the printer is out of ink. So that's not the problem we're going to deal with. Like if if... If you are nervous that all prints, all teachers are going to, or all teachers are going to follow that one teacher or all students are going to follow that student, you actually have a bigger problem at hand because that's not the problem. That child isn't the problem. That action isn't the problem. Our class, our school, that's actually the problem because you have control over a bigger issue. What do you think? You're, you're giving me a pause. Like you don't really, you don't love it. Well, I'm just not. I'm trying to work through this. I, I think the concept is that your culture should be strong enough that you'll focus on the right problems yes. and that you don't have to worry about. We're printers. We're not pencils. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, no you make me feel bad about it. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. <laughs> You're trying real hard to be affirming, <laughs> but you don't like it. But we had a good run there. <laughs> I'm going to use it. 
Don't sharpen right. pencils when the printer's out of ink. I like it. We're printers. I think if you add the we're printers, like we are printers, like that helps. Yeah. All right. Don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, congrats to 50. Uh, no, but truly, that was fun. That and was a blast. Again, yeah. We're learning out loud. So when you say things out loud, again, it sounds really good in my head, but then you say it and you see the reaction to people and you're like, ah, oh, maybe that wasn't as smart as I thought it was. You know, uh, I don't mind if you update somebody who's a better audience than me. So, uh, no, this is, man, I have, uh, it's just so fun to me that, uh, this actually happened. And again, kudos to your wife who, who kind of pushed us in this direction, but it's just been fun. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to Wednesday mornings and it's, it's made me a better person, a better principal. I just loved it. So anyways, are we doing takeaways you. today? Oh yeah. What's the takeaway? I, you're, uh, I may have had a soft response to your last, uh, phrase, but that one about the, uh, that got me thinking about controlled burns. I can't remember what your phrase was. Uh, time also puts fires out. Yeah. I think that was cool as heck. And the concept of a controlled burn, like, I think I'll, I'll use that concept. If we notice that something's on fire, but it's not a, a danger or an emergency to, to the rest of us, I'm going to use that phrase. It's a controlled burn. It's going to go out. We'll be fine. We'll be so fine. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks. I actually really, I had forgotten about, but you bring it back, um, that assess means to sit beside. That is so powerful. Such a great image that I need to get back to remembering that as we're talking actually quite a bit, we're doing some system-wide uh, discussions about assessment. And that's a great one. Assessment means to sit beside. So I need to remind remind myself of that and my staff. So that's great. So thanks for bringing that back up. Man, this has been a ton of fun. We, we're 50 in and I'm looking forward to 500 more, man. This is a blast with you. Yeah. Every week. Uh, that's great. So anyways, next week, you're back up. 51. 51. So that's kind of a boring episode number. You're yeah. Saying, oh, 51. Okay. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming up with some great phrases. All right, brother. Until next week, 51, do great things. And keep knocking. See you, buddy. See ya.